Welcome everybody for a new episode of the Advanced Real Estate Talk. I'm here with my co-hosts, Glenn and Darcy. This is Aurelien. And today we're going to be discussing raising capital. We're going to look at um, three different aspects of it. Uh, first and foremost, you know, how do you raise, how do we go about raising capital? And second, uh, the do's and don'ts of capital raise. Because, um, you know, with your own funds, you can only go so far. And uh, at some point, you know, in your career, in your investment career, people may approach you or you may, you may want to grow your portfolio and, and go into larger deals, which means that you're going to have um, to raise people, raise equity from other investors. And that's what we'll be talking about today. So I was wondering if maybe Darcy could get us started today. Yeah. I'd love to, love to speak about this. This is a core part of our business. Once you grow to a certain size where you need to use other people's money to, well, for whatever your reasons are, if you just want to grow or um, you want to spread some risk um, or you want to share a really great idea and make other people wealthy um, and do good, those are my, la those latter ones are my uh, motivations. Um, you have to engage with other people. Uh, the house, the mechanics of it are you know, likely your first choices are friends and family, your immediate family, your f and that are your first raise. And those people know you really well. And if you can't raise from them, you probably need to re-examine what you're doing, um, at least at least how you're presenting it, or your history, address your history. If you got a history of being a flake, those people will say no right quick. Um, so that'll give you some uh, idea if you even got a chance at raising money from strangers, or if you should try. If the people know you best won't fund you, you probably shouldn't. And you should find another line of work. Um, yep. <laughs> yep. Just, just common sense. After that, you're talking to people um, who will not know you intimately. They might be uh, friends and colleagues and uh, professional acquaintances, people through your network, uh, whether you're part of a, uh, a civic community, a faith community, a uh, business uh, improvement group or an industry. These people will know you professionally, but they may not know you personally. You need to align those things and have a, a pretty clear story on who you are and a good sense of who you are. Because my first point is raising money is always personal. I get really nervous when people start saying things like business is not personal because I know about right after that, I'm going to get screwed and someone's distancing themselves from a very distasteful and immoral action. So it's always personal. And when I meet people to talk about money, uh, COVID has made this challenging and it's been a difficulty doing this because of my way that I see doing this. It is almost always eye to eye. It is personal. I'll sit down with them. I want them to see me. I want to be in the room with them and look them in the eye. I have a couple people that I've raised money from and talked with that I have not physically met. They are the exception. So out of an investor group that's uh, now numbering over 20 years and maybe 70 people, and about 140, 130 something that uh, we're in contact with, um, all but I think three of them. I've sat down with them. And if it's a, uh, a partnership, uh, I would love to sit down with both um, because there's often uh, a person who's very interested and in, you know every partnership has this, the person who's the gas and someone who's the brakes. Um, and you wanna know that they're both aligned. Um, so how I do it, I sit down with them face-to-face, -face, have a coffee, a beer, a breakfast usually, um, and talk about exactly what you do. And I hit on four things. Uh, what we're going to do, a real simple explanation. It's not tricky what, I'm going, what we do. Any tricky kind of plan that nobody understands, they're usually going to say no. So if you 
you can't explain this to a grade five. You probably need to work on figuring out what you're doing and clarifying what you're doing, what we're going to do, um, who's going to do it, how much it's going to cost, and you know when we're going to complete this work. With an investment, it just has to have an investment. What about time. the risks? Yeah, and I talk. <laughs> I do clarify. That's it. I do clarify specific risks, and I have to say this this COVID thing um, has made has been kind of ironic in one sense that I've talked about risk and what are the risks to real estate? Well, uh, massive depopulation. I said, here's some of the, here's some of the risks, you know, interest rates rising, um, unemployment, changes of industry, global warming. I'll talk about all those things. I said, we think about all these things, especially if you're investing in Western Canada. What, you know, what's the life, life, uh, lifetime of the hydrocarbon industry? You know, what does that look like? Is it five years or 50? Because um, that'll affect your investment. Um, and I would always throw in, I said, listen, you know, the chance of depopulation is real. It happened in the last century with the Spanish flu, where approximately 20 million died worldwide. And it did cause real estate vacancies in some parts of Europe and America in, the, in central cities. So I would throw that out and people would laugh. Ha ha ha, the Spanish flu. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> these things do happen. That's why if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat the mistake, mistakes of history. Yeah, and even without Spanish flu, you know, it's very important. I, I make it I make it clear that, you know, you want to invest where there is population growth. And usually, you know, mm -hmm. you want to look at the job numbers, yeah. you know, are there companies recruiting? Uh, one, one area I invested in, you know, the government was uh, creating jobs and I, you know, the government is very reliable in terms of job creation. And um, yeah, so you want to look at that. And also the other aspect that's important is um, uh, means of transportation. So are they creating a new yeah. LRT line? And this is, uh, this also contributes to the, the movements of population. So you want to be aware of demographics because uh, a lot of real estate has to do with demographics. Yeah. So we tell them in the thing, I'll have a binder with photos of the property and things that we've done before. And before that, I'll set it up with an email. Here's what we've done. Here's who we are. Here's my biography. And I've been already corresponding with people uh, through emails to so an email list. They've told me at least two or three different times that they want to be part of this and they're curious about it. I say, well, get on our email list and I'll show you some deals. And, you know, watch a few pass before you say anything, ask some questions, and then we'll have some coffees and we'll talk about it or a beer or whatever their choice of beverages or how it's available to meet. I encourage them to look at a few paths. I don't want any hasty investors. So I like to say no a couple of times to make sure that there's persistent. This is what they really want. That is not an ill-conceived plan. And, the, and then at the end, I'll have to ask for money. You don't get any money unless you ask for it. They're waiting for the ask and they're probably sitting there anxious through the whole thing saying like, how much does he want? What's the minimum threshold? They should know that before because it's in my email, but I'll tell them I am raising $700,000. It is the down payment, 685. It is, or no, that would be wrong. <laughs> 700,000. It is 500,000 in down payment. It's 45,000 in legal. It's 150,000 in contingency of, um, repairs and renovations, and a $70,000 contingency reserve. This is going to be a three to seven year program with two mortgage cycles. I'm going to accomplish, substantially accomplish the work in the first two years, and will be profitable in the third year is our, our proposal. You know, some things might affect that, but that is my proposal. What I'm looking for you from is 50 or 100 or $200,000 to participate. I will need it by May 21st, 
it will have to be in my lawyer's office in a certified um, check or a money order or a wire transfer. In some cases, I will accept a personal check as long as it's five days in advance of that and it's cleared. I can pick it up. You can drop it off at my lawyer's office or drop it off in my office in advance of those dates. And I'll give you a receipt for it at that time. And that's, you brought up a really good point there. That's Sorry to cut you off a little bit. Yeah, no, no, it's good. But, um, <laughs> back when I was in college, I went to see my more, uh, invest, uh, like an investment broker, like for doing my RSPs and stuff for the first time. And what I wanted was to be told what to do. And they never did. They left it in like, you tell us, we can do whatever you want. And you know what happened? Nothing. Because I didn't know what to do. And so you, mm-hmm. by you would like telling them, you know, asking for the money and telling them how it works. And then if they're interested, they can do that. It's, it's, it's what people need, right? Um, yeah. They need, they don't know what they can do. <laughs> they don't know what, you just need some no. specific things to that, right? Yeah, um, if you're the expert, tell them the steps. Be clear. Uh, clarity is kind. Also a Brene Brown quote. If anyone's been listening, <laughs> used a few of them. Clarity is kindness. Tell me exactly what I need to do. It gives assurance and it's good leadership. They're going to expect, this is the way he dealt with me. With clarity, well-prepared, told me the right things to do. I can project then that when he negotiates with contractors and with tenants and he organizes this thing, that it will be clear, well-organized, thoughtful, direct, focused, and steps are followed logically. You know, if you show up and you're a messy bed and you write a number on a cocktail napkin half drunk, they can expect you to manage the property that way. It would be a good sign to say no, but you know, people have done worse. Yeah, you so you mentioned the email list, right? So yeah. your, your process, it sounds like you get, you get your deal, you get a lot of this stuff figured out and then you send out to your email list and then you do face to faces after that. Am I kind of on the I right page? So that's right. Yeah. to put the, the, the horse before the cart, like, how do you get this email list to do this? Are you advertising to get this email list? How do you, how do you build this email list? Cause I think that's I what people are run to their head. That's why I'm, that's the massive weakness because in my own sort of, uh, you know, frailties, I am a bit bashful about this stuff. Um, we didn't take on partners cause I needed to prove it over and over again that I could do it. That one time wasn't a fluke. The second time, maybe that was a fluke. The third time we got lucky the fourth time, so I've been really reluctant to advertise our successes and to say emphatically, yeah, we do this. We're really good at it. Um, I think it took until 2015 that we won that uh, Canadian Real Estate Wealth Award uh, together after doing this, I think that was like our ninth or 10th building that I kind of felt when I left there and got on the plane and I had that piece of crystal in my carry-on, I really felt like, okay, yeah. I am good at this. I've been banging away at this for 15 years. We've done all these projects. Um, now I'm finally, quote, an expert. Maybe I didn't need to prove it to myself that I put in my 10,000 hours or 20 or 30,000 hours. But that's been a weakness of mine. I've been careful with that. I also have been worried about um, advertising, um, hype and huckstering and you know cajoling people and convincing to do something they didn't really passionately want to do. That's why I have this three, no rule and force people to, I say no to them a bunch of times to make sure they really want to do it. So they never can come back at me and say, you idiot, you got me into a deal that only made me 13% annualized income. You suck. Um, You know, that's my own thing. So it's been slow. I've met people through uh, my daughter's school 
So those are, you know, third hand relationships. I want to be really careful with them uh, through church relationships, through uh, business and golf and sports and friends of friends and through uh, financial planners and people say, Hey, I don't do uh, unregistered real estate investments, but I do know a guy. And then I get calls like that. And those are the ones I don't know at all. And then you start from zero. So I say, Hey, first, first thing we'll talk. I'll add you to my email list. You get to see a little bit of our literature and the kind of things that we're doing in our project reports. And then that will bring up some questions and we'll have another conversation. We'll have a relationship first and see if this is a good fit for me with you and you with me. And maybe it doesn't work out and you find something better. So some fish get off the hook, but I really wish I didn't have a hook at all. That's my uncomfortable part. So yeah, uh, that, that was a loaded question. I, 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 was, no. I was trying to trick you. Oh. <laughs> anyway, Ari, how do you how do you raise your money? What do you do here? Well, I don't have uh, much of a history in raising money. I've used my own funds so far mainly. Uh, the only experience I have was uh, for a deal with, uh, and that was with a. Uh, uh, a family friend and uh, I don't really advertise too much um, what I do uh, but I started a podcast and I suspect uh, I've, I have a mentor and we've been con conversing about uh, you know uh, the advantages of having a podcast and an online presence and that's apparently that's one of the that's one of the the that's one of the things that happens when you have a platform like that, that people get interested in what you do. And uh, so all I do right now is providing value. I'm very interested in commercial real estate. So that's the, that's where I, I do. Uh, that's what my interviews uh, evolve around. I'm very interested in mobile home parks. So I try to provide value and um, content for people in those, in those, um, in those aspects. And uh, I have a Facebook group that specializes in commercial and, and every day, you know, I'm, I'm, I do, uh, I look at, uh, at deals to, uh, to train my eye and, and make sure that I am um, able to identify good deals that are usually, you know, poorly advertised and, yeah, the, the the experience I have with uh, raising capital was a friend of mine, and uh, and it was not really a capital raise because um, I wasn't really the general partner raising all the capital. I was investing my own capital as well, so it's it's a bit different from uh, what I would yeah. call a typical capital raise, where you're the expert and the other other parties bring the the capital. So, but I was curious about your experience, Glenn, in terms of having a podcast, you know, what, what, what are the, what has been your experience with having a podcast and raising capital? Well, I think it's, um, with all of this, I think it's about being in front of people um, and not selling anything. I think the reason that uh, my business grew the way it did was that there was nothing for sale. There was nothing for sale. Whenever you, people would call me in, in, you know, the early years of the podcast or when I was going around and speaking at all the uh, real estate meetups and stuff like that and just going and sharing information and there was nothing for sale. People come after me, come up to me afterwards and like, oh, do you have deals to buy? No. Can, do you partner? No. Like there was nothing for sale and it came off very authentic because it was yeah. <laughs> that there was, there was nothing, you weren't pushing an agenda. You didn't have a product that you were, you know, you did your little speech, which you'd like gave a little bit of information and then you were selling a coaching program or you were selling some sort of uh, product. Like there was nothing for sale. And I think that was the one thing that really helped grow it. Um, but that's the thing. Like I never advertised it. Like I, that's huge. 
That's huge. You, you let people come to you and, and they will come to you. But if you're going out there and asking for it, you're not quite ready yet, or you haven't had your presence, I think, out there enough. Like you could just go around and be on lots of people's podcasts and people will come to you. But if they're not coming to you and you're trying to sell and you're reading uh, books on selling techniques and tricking people into doing this, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not the way to do it. It's not going to be, um, I don't have the right word for it, but it, it, and it's, it's, yeah, it doesn't have any integrity. Yeah. yeah. And then it's, it's all desperate. about well, your message. It's on needy too. And people yes. yep. sense that. And, and it's your message that you're putting out too. So um, I changed my message because um, what I would do is I would talk about all my joint ventures I was doing before. And the problem was I couldn't do enough joint ventures to fill that, that business. Right. It was, it was, I could scale better with debt than with equity partners. Um, and so I couldn't get enough. I, I you have to I explain that. Yeah. You have to explain that because we've used that a couple of times that my wife stopped me when we were listening to this and goes, what's he mean here? I said, you know this, but okay. Yeah. So for instance, like when I'm doing an equity partner, it's someone who is part of the deal. They're, you know, they get half of the deal. They get half of the, the profit we make from the thing. Um, typically they don't get paid an interest rate throughout. They're, they're like a partner. Like they, mm -hmm. they're part of the, taking the risk with me. They're taking the ride. Um, a lot of times we are still signing paperwork for general and limited partnerships. Uh, but it's, it's a little, it's not quite the same as what Darcy does. Um, it, they are, they're in the deal, right? They're going to make their cash flow. They're going to make the money off that. They're going to make money off of the sale. Like, uh, but it's, it's, it's still, it's not the, quite the same thing as what Darcy's talking about with the, the syndication model. Um, but they're part of the whole deal. Whereas a debt partner, they're getting an interest rate. Like I'm borrowing the money at 10% or whatever rate you negotiate. Um, and I'm paying them throughout day one. When we buy this property, it's unrenovated. There's no one in there. We are making payments on the debt right off the start. Whereas uh, an equity partner wouldn't be getting money at that point because there's nothing, there's nothing there. There's no rent, there's no profit from anything. Right. Um, so they, they, the way they're paid is differently. Um, they both have different advantages and disadvantages, but yeah. what, what basically what I was, where I was going with this, I was changing my message was to have it. So to, 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 to drive the kind of traffic you want, right? It's ultimately, we talk about this a lot. It's the way people interact with you. A lot of it is, it's like training a dog, but you're training yourself. And what you don't realize is a lot of it is what the way you portray yourself is the way that they're going to come back in. And we talk about this like every other week and it's, it's setting it up right so that you get the right things. And and I think it's also very important that something that comes a lot, you know, from people I interview who themselves have podcasts or do syndications, it's to be genuine, you know, be yourself. And uh, for example, I was talking to this um, investor and uh, he's, he's, he has his background is engineering and that's, that's, that's the language he talks. And that's this is the type of people that invest with him who are engineers because they really relate with him, with his message, with the way he approaches numbers buildings did we really more. cover the do's and don'ts or was it just more of how we raise it <laughs> i think we did how we raise but i've got some quick hits for do's and don'ts me too just bullet, bullet ones okay <laughs> yeah let's bullet fire through them <laughs> fire through. otherwise we have to do a whole another show on it. yeah speaking of bullets we don't offer silver bullets if this is someone's last chance at success it's a no hard no for me 
I don't offer silver bullets. I offer well, well-conceived, well-managed term secured real estate investments. I don't offer silver bullets. So that's a hard no. Don't take those people. Um, my other don't is don't have too little money. I underfunded one building and I died on the vine for months, almost a year and a half. So ask for enough money to get it there. Don't short the thing by trying to make your ROI higher and seem like a hero while doing it on a shoestring. You can't most times. So ask for enough money. Don't exaggerate and lie. That's death. Because everyone remembers what you said. You know, you might think it's a throwaway comment. Did you exaggerate? It's death. Don't lie. My dues are when it's the right time, you have to ask for the money. You'll never raise money unless you ask for it. People aren't just going to shove it in your pocket as you walk away like grandma did. That's the only one who will do that. Um, share your story, but do it with elegance. This is a do. Know your story. Have it well crafted. Not lots of ums and ahs and sort of's and I kind of do this. Tell people exactly what you do clearly, uh, what you're good at. And as Glenn said, give value, leave money on the table for your partners, share your time, share your expertise, share part of the deal with others, and you will raise more money than you need. Uh, those are my do's and don'ts. Glenn, what are yours? Well, I didn't have a thick list like that, but um, I was going to say don't advertise on Facebook. Like I see Agreed. these ads that just say, I need 10%, I'm offering 10% for someone to be my mortgage, or I'm looking for a joint venture for this property listed right here don't do that. I have a podcast Yikes. on my other show. And you know what? No one is really monitoring Facebook for this. And that's why it works. And the people do raise money that way. But the problem is, as soon as something doesn't go right, and then it goes to the SEC or whoever is auditing the securities for the Canada or the US, do you know what they do do? Then they go check the Facebook and they check the stuff. And you know what? Guess what? All of a sudden, because I've heard about this happening, you get a whole bunch of infractions for advertising incorrectly. It's, you just need someone to blow the whistle on you and then your whole business is screwed. <laughs> so just do it right off the start. Don't advertise like that. That's bad. Yeah. yeah. My do's and don'ts would be uh, so under promise and over deliver that's yes uh, when when q1 uh be transparent be good with communication make sure that people are kept in the loop and um yeah i think like like darcy was saying it's essential to to know your story and and, and narrate your story and also make sure you you communicate and relay the business plan you know what is it what it is you're going to do and you know in a clear mm -hmm. way uh, a confused mind will say no it's not the first time we say it on this show yep. and and don't sound needy uh mm -hmm. you know you you're the one with the the good deal you're the one with the opportunity so so don't don't forget that one last thing is to listen to the person that's investing too because um what they have may have different goals than what you actually are advertising you can say this is what you have and this is what the thing is but you have to actually sit there and listen to them as well. Because sometimes, even though you've said how this is going to run and they've listened to it, what you've said, they still might have a different agenda of what they think this could do or, you know, hypotheticals. And uh, I've had partners where you just have to, you have to buy them out or do something else because they're not on the same page. They, they expected their money back and instantly and you bought something that the go plan and the goal right from the start was three minutes or three years it was mm -hmm. three years and so it, it 
they, they've just, it, it's yeah. not to plan and you'd, ha you'd had to listen to them before you started and or even define that better, right? Sounds good. good. Okay, Lots right. of content here. Yeah, I think we provided quite some content and uh, thank you everybody for tuning in. As usual, uh, feel free to leave a review and uh, we, we'd be happy uh, if you wanted to leave us a question, you can send your questions at advancedreitalk at gmail.com advancedreitalk at gmail.com we'd be happy to answer any questions you may have on the show and uh, yeah, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next week. All right, bye. Everybody. Thanks guys.